0: Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, as we prayed at the beginning of the service and as we pray each week, we ask you to join us here this morning and we trust that you have kept your promise and are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I sort of like this. Nothing around. I just need a spotlight and some... Maybe some smoke. Uh, As the text for this morning's uh, brief post-Christmas pageant sermon, I've chosen what I think is an appropriate reading. It comes from perhaps the second most famous Christmas story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Our reading this morning comes from the concluding section, After the Grinch has, he thinks successfully stolen Christmas. He's snuck through Whoville in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, stealing every present, every bit of food, everything. And he gets then to the pinnacle of Mount Crumpet, about to dump all the presents, just as the Hoos are starting to wake up down in the town. And he cocks his ear so he can hear the weeping and gnashing of teeth from down below, that is sure to come when the Who's discover that Christmas has been stolen. But of course, he doesn't hear that, does he? No weeping, no gnashing of teeth. We know this story very well. Instead, the Grinch hears singing, and then we come to our reading from the last chapter of the Gospel according to Dr. Seuss. <laughs> And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice-cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toy. And the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And there we have laid out as clear as day the world's vision of what the good news might be. Certainly the world's conception of what religion is for. Religion, at its best, grows a person's shrunken heart and encourages them to do the good things that they weren't doing before. And people who like Jesus can pretty easily slip him into this equation, can't they? The Grinch is the sinner, the person who does bad things. The Whos are the saints, the people who do good things. And the spirit of Christmas here is the change Agent. And for people who like Jesus, this is where they put him. This is where Jesus goes. He's sort of like the spirit of Christmas, causing shrunken hearts to grow. If you're a Grinch, Jesus can come in, expand your heart, and turn you into a who. Now we might call this religious paradigm from vice to virtue. From doing bad things to doing good things. And that's every religion's aim. To turn Grinches into whose? Well, every religion, I should say, except gospel Christianity. Because that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus, as the spirit of Christmas, is just something like an inspiration. And all that Jesus can do, all that kind of Jesus is even capable of doing, is encouraging you to turn into a person who does good things instead of a person who does bad things. And of course, mere inspiration can't even always do that. We all know plenty of people who stay grinches for their entire lives. Our good news, capital G, capital N, our actual Jesus, is much better news than that. Let's put Dr. Seuss aside for a moment and listen to what the Bible says about your grinchy heart. This is Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. The heart is deceitful. Above all things, and desperately sick, who can understand it? And then Jesus, speaking in Matthew chapter 15, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. What is the Bible saying about your heart? Is it saying that it's two sizes too small? No. That it's dead, made of stone, beyond healing. Now here's the Bible again, giving you the good news about your dead, stony heart. This is Ezekiel 36. Verse 26, I, says the Lord, will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is the good news that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds that night. Not that if they followed that star, they'd meet a baby who would grow their hearts three sizes, Not that they could move possibly from vice to virtue. They were promised resurrection, a new heart, a new life, a savior. As the kids sang, when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, he said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Joy that will be for all people today in the... Okay, I'm done. (laughs) Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Fifty years later, after Christ the Lord accomplished his mission here on earth, the man who would become St. Paul wrote about what that good news is. I have been crucified with Christ He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's from Paul's letter to the Galatians. You can hear the profundity of his language, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I was dead, says St. Paul. I have been made alive. This is what Jesus came to accomplish. The Christian paradigm is not vice to virtue or Grinch to who, but death to life. This is the language of the Bible, language that even as brilliant a writer as Dr. Seuss is, he just cannot match. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You hear how he changes it from we to you right there at the end? He wants to make sure that none of his hearers think he's speaking in generalities. He's preaching to them, just like I am preaching to you. You were dead In trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved you, even when you were dead in your trespasses, made you alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is what Jesus accomplished for you. This is what our Christmas story is about. Not an enlarged heart, but a new life. Jesus died so that you might be born anew. Now on that cross, the work was completed. At Christmas, that finished work is begun. Thanks be to God. Amen.